today we're looking at the story of Zacchaeus and Jesus. And at least for me, what I knew the story about the most was a wee little man in a tree. I guess there's a whole song that goes with it. I didn't grow up in the church too much, so I didn't know the song, but also I can't sing at all. My wife, wonderful singer. Myself, not at all. Dennis would never let me up here again if I sung for you. So we will skip the song, but the reality is the story of Zacchaeus is not significant because of a wee little man in a tree. But this story is significant because it is about an almighty God who pursues a relationship with Zacchaeus. Not on the basis of Zacchaeus' character or his holiness, but on the basis of God's own love for his people. Zacchaeus' story is one of seeking skepticism and salvation. So if you please join me in Luke 19, 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was very rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd... He could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Have you guys ever sought out someone or something in the way Zacchaeus sought out Jesus in this passage? Because when I first read this passage, I honestly was like, that's a bit extreme to run ahead climbing a tree just to get a look at a guy. But then I remembered a story about me and my buddy when we went to watch the U.S. soccer team in Cleveland where we did something equally ridiculous. So... U.S., not always great at soccer, ended up losing pretty bad, but we were at Cleveland Browns Stadium, and we, me and my buddy Zach went down to where the buses loaded up the players outside the locker room with the hopes that we would get to meet some of the players. After losing, I think it was one board, they were pretty embarrassed and didn't want to deal with fans that night. And so none of them came out, and my buddy turned to me and goes, well, I guess that's that. We're not going to get to see these guys. But I remember that they announced that Marriott was the official sponsor of U.S. soccer. So I come up with a brilliant idea that we should run through the, the streets of downtown Cleveland at night, which is never a good idea. If you're from that area, you know that's not a good idea. But anyway, we're sprinting down the streets trying to get to the Marriott Hotel in downtown Cleveland with the hopes that we will just be able to get a glimpse of these famous athletes. There was a soccer team at the hotel, and it wasn't the U.S. team. It was actually the Belgian national team. 
We run in all hot and sweaty because we ran probably about five, six blocks at that point. And lo and behold, Belgian soccer team's there. And so that ended up being a pretty awesome night. We got to hang out with the players and the team for about an hour in the hotel lobby, got our photos taken with them. Ended up being a pretty cool night and a great story that I get to tell now. But Zacchaeus was acting in a similar way to the way me and my buddy Zach were. Because the reality is Jesus had the reputation of a celebrity. He was a New Testament rock star. He had the aura of a superstar that we would today. The passage tells us that there was a huge crowd, and that's why Zacchaeus couldn't get near Jesus. And the reason Jesus had this status was because there was rumors flying around about who he was. Some people were saying that Jesus was a great teacher. Others were calling him a prophet, a miracle worker. Some people had less nice things to say. They were calling him a fraud or evil. And yet some were even making the bold claim that he was the Son of God, the promised Messiah. And so in this passage, we see that Zacchaeus, much like my buddy Zach and I, wanted to see what Jesus was all about. And many people are just like Zacchaeus, and they may seek out Jesus for a variety of reasons. Some may have heard the good things about Jesus from a friend. Others might want the perks that come with Christianity. I mean, eternal life, not dying, new earth, all that sounds really nice without really understanding what that entails. And yet others, they might just be down on their luck, have nowhere to turn. I know for me, that was my story when I first gave Jesus a sincere chance. And as we'll see with Zacchaeus, he didn't have the ideal background. And he was seeking out to see who Jesus really was. But in this passage, Zacchaeus wasn't the only one who was seeking Let's look again at verses 4 and 5. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Jesus is also doing some seeking in this passage, but he takes it a step further. See, Zacchaeus just wanted to see what Jesus was about. Like I said, there was these rumors flying around. He just wanted to see what Jesus was about. But Jesus took it a step further and engaged with him in a relational way. Jesus calls him out and asks to stay at his house. Like, I don't know about you guys, and maybe some of you are bold, but I know I would not just stay at a stranger's house that I knew nothing about. When Rachel and I went up to Baltimore last week, when I went to preach, we stayed in a hotel. We did not just knock on doors in... Baltimore City and ask, hey, can we crash at your place and I got to preach down the road tomorrow? Usually, more often than not, when you're staying with someone, it's because you know them. You have that relationship with them. Jesus engaged in something that is relational, and that's because Jesus seeks his people out to be in relationship with them. Last week, I used the analogy, and for my sports fans in here, um, I used the analogy of a championship parade being in Baltimore, 
sadly, the Ravens were the winners of that super fictional Super Bowl. And knock on wood, that remains fictional. But um, I use the analogy of Lamar Jackson calling someone out up onto the parade float and then asking to stay at their house after the parade. But one of their elders actually gave me a really cool insight that I felt was worth sharing. And he was like, I love that analogy. But it's almost like Jesus called out a Steelers fan or a Browns fan or another fan of a different team because of Zacchaeus being that far away from God. And I thought that was super powerful. And we see that this was a massive moment for Zacchaeus in verse 6. He hurried down and came down and received him joyfully. It wasn't apathetically. He wasn't like skeptically coming down that tree going, all right, Jesus, what do you want to do with me? What did I get wrong? He was ecstatic that Jesus would actually want to stay with him, to have a relationship with him, to be friends with him. But it makes perfect sense that he would receive him joyfully because that's what we were made for. Each and every one of us, as the Westminster Catechism reminds us, was made to glorify God and to enjoy him. Pastor John Piper actually takes this catechism and rewords it a little bit. And he says that we are made to glorify God by enjoying him. Not simply to glorify and enjoy, but we actually glorify God when we enjoy him. And we enjoy God by being in a relationship with God. Imagine if you never wanted to spend time with your best friend, your significant other, your spouse, partner, whoever it may be. Like, I think I can, I would at least hope that you guys would be very concerned if you found out that me and Rachel never spent time together, that we were married, but we didn't really like each other and we never wanted to spend time with one another. It would probably be concerning to find out because when we have a relationship with someone, we want to enjoy that person. If we don't enjoy it, you, it makes sense to question the sincerity of that relationship. One resource that I've recently used to disciple students offers this short list of reasons why we can have a relationship with God. Not simply God wants a relationship with us, but that reasons that we actually can have that relationship. And this first reason is that God has chose us. God is at work. This is something that we fundamentally believe. And while none of us have the same story, all of our stories are different, there is a fundamental truth that It is God who is the one who facilitates the introduction. None of us introduce ourselves to Jesus. Jesus introduces us to him. It is out of his great love for us that he seeks us out the same way he sought Zacchaeus out. Secondly, God wants to spend time with us. Like I said, it'd be weird if I didn't want to spend time with my wife. That would be a sign of concern. And we see that God wants to spend time with us in the way 
that he doesn't just simply sign Zacchaeus' sandals or sketch out a selfie or whatever a biblical time celebrity would do, but he engages with him and doesn't just move on to the next person, but he stays with him. And lastly, he doesn't leave us. For those of us who have put our faith in Christ, we are tied to him. We have a union and a bond with him that cannot be broken. But I don't want to get too far ahead in Zacchaeus' story. And as the story continues, we see that some of the characters in the story are skeptical. And they were not loving the idea of Jesus befriending Zacchaeus. In verse 7, it says, And they grumbled and said that he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And this reaction, I think, is very revealing. And I think it's a good reminder that we need to examine ourselves because it's easy for us to act like the people in the crowd that day. The crowd acted out of hatred of Zacchaeus' sin more than their own. Context helps here. Um, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and apparently this is a running theme because last time I preached, I also shared what tax collectors did. But the tax collectors worked for Rome. This would be the equivalent of if Canada invaded the U.S. and against our wishes took us over. And I decided, you know what? I'm not going to work for the church anymore. I'm going to go work for Canada. A lot of you guys probably would not be thrilled that I would go work for the enemy to the Israelites. That's what it was like for Zacchaeus to go work for Rome. He was working for the enemy. But he, as a tax collector, he also had a pretty good gig because he basically was allowed to do legalized theft. See, unlike tax collectors today who probably just have a base salary, he made his money off commission. And so, more accurately, we bless that. Because, say they were owed five, Rome wanted five pieces of gold from every citizen. Zacchaeus could go up to him and say, hey, you owe Rome ten. He gets to give Rome five, and he gets to pocket five. It was a really good way to make a lot of money, and a really good way to not be very well liked. And so, understandably, the crowd is not thrilled that Jesus would call this guy out out of everyone in the crowd that he would seek out Zacchaeus because he was he was working for the enemy and he was ripping everyone off in the crowd. They didn't like him, but they hated what he had done more than what they had done because they had also failed to realize their standing with God and their own need for a savior. The reality is none of us have a right standing with God. Scripture tells us that all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And because of that sin, our relationship with God isn't the way it's meant to be. We see it in the garden when Adam and Eve are banished from it because of the sin. That relationship with God was broken. It wasn't as it was meant to be anymore. This standing or this righteousness with God wasn't there. And it wasn't there for Zacchaeus, but the crowd singled him out as a sinner, forgetting that they also did not have a right standing with God. And when we 
and we live in a very us first them culture right now. And this is something that it is easy to fall guilty of, whatever the issue may be. But our, in our world, we tend to operate from an us versus them mentality. And the reality is we all fall short. And the crowd was operating on a playing field that they had to check the boxes, but ignore the teaching. So they just had to be good enough while ignoring that teaching all, that we see all the way back in Genesis, that we all need a savior. And so by Jesus picking Zacchaeus, we see the scandal of grace. And why is God's grace here so scandalous? Because it was so undeserved. The scandal of grace is not that Jesus would just be friends with a sinner, but that he would take the place of sinners and die so that they may live. And we see in these last few verses, that's exactly what Jesus came to do. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give, I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus' story shows us how our relationship with Jesus, our friendship with God, leads to our worship of him. Jesus engaged Zacchaeus in that relationship, and by the end of the passage we see that he is worshiping him. And the way Zacchaeus is worshiping Jesus in this passage, first off, is in how he addresses him. He didn't call him teacher. He didn't call him prophet. He didn't call him any of the other rumors that we mentioned earlier. But he referred to him as Lord. But he also acts in faith and repentance. We see his faith in how he declares Jesus Lord. But his actions are a sign of repentance. And to repent is to turn back. So Jesus, Jesus engages this relationship with Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus turns away from his old life and turns to Christ. He takes it beyond simply saying sorry. He doesn't just go, you know what, Christ, my bad. I've been robbing from you all for years. I won't do that anymore. But he actually takes it a step further. He donates to the poor. He acts out of right faith. He's not just trying doing actions to try to make it better or to earn favor of God, but because of God's love for him, he acted differently. Dennis has shared this quote before, but Thomas Watson puts it this way. Faith and repentance are the wings by which we fly to heaven. We can't just have one or another. Imagine if a bird tried to fly with just one wing. It probably wouldn't work very well. If it somehow managed to get off the ground, it most likely would just be flying in a circle. It wouldn't get nowhere. It wouldn't be able to go forward. Salvation belongs to the Lord. The prophet Jonah declares this in his whole ordeal with giant fish. And Jesus later on in the Gospel of John, in the upper room, 
right before he was arrested, declares that salvation comes from knowing him. And it's not just knowing about him as Zacchaeus was seeking originally, but it's knowing him relationally. And the reality is we need both. To use my wife as an example again, if I knew absolutely nothing about Rachel, just that she was my wife, but I didn't know her middle name, her maiden name, where she came from, what school, high school she graduated from, these basic facts that you would learn about someone as you spend time with them, it would be concerning. At the same time, if we just know things about God but don't know him intimately, our relationship with him is lacking. And if we just feel good things about God and feel the love of God but don't know anything theologically about him, we will be deceived. Our heart is deceitful above all things. And Zacchaeus' story also shows us that a relationship with Jesus leaves us forever changed. One author was using Jesus' brother James as an example of how a relationship with Christ changes everything. But I think it fits Zacchaeus' story very well, too. And so I'm going to take his quote about James and literally just replace the name James with the name Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had a radical change in identity. He saw himself completely differently and is entirely the result of a shift in his perspective on Jesus. Zacchaeus got a glimpse of what a relationship with Jesus was about, and he became radically different. This transformation is what happens when we have a relationship with Christ. Because our reality is if we're not worshiping Jesus, we're worshiping something else. We all have idols, and we all worship something. And maybe what we worship is status, whether it's marital status, job status, or just how people view you in the community. That's something that we might put above Christ. Or maybe it's people. Maybe you got your dream spouse and you just absolutely idolize them. Or the cool kids like you and therefore you will do whatever it takes to remain friends with them. Or if you just had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, things would be better. Maybe it's items. I don't see too many people walking around with golden caps anymore, but there are people with gold watches and nice cars, and it's not wrong to have those things, but if you live your life to get those things, it's going to ultimately leave you empty. And for Zacchaeus, that idol, that thing that he put above everything else was money. Camper actually gave me this awesome illustration that for Zacchaeus, before he met Jesus, before he had that relationship with God, before he came to saving faith, Money stuck to him like Velcro. It was everything that he was about. But once he had that radical change that comes with a relationship with Jesus, it slipped off him like Teflon, that non-sticky stuff on that helps your eggs slide off of a skillet. Once we come under the grace and love of God, the idols of our heart become second to the king of our heart. We are forever changed and forever his. So to wrap things up, 
in Luke 19, 1 through 10, we find the story of Zacchaeus and God's desire to pursue a relationship with him. This relationship isn't dependent on how good Zacchaeus was or what type of person he was, and he didn't wait for Zacchaeus to come to him. He pursued a relationship with him. Jesus saved Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus responded in repentance and faith. Our worship of God grows out of our relationship with him. Jesus is the relational God who stays with sinners. And I hope that is a comfort for you this day and every day. Please join me in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for being the God who seeks and saves the lost. Thank you for calling your people into a relationship with you. We don't deserve it and we cannot earn it, but you show your grace and love for us every single day. Lord, I pray for those who do not know you in that way, that you reveal yourself to them and that you remain with us this day and every day. Lift us up in your name. Amen.